Welcome to Mondays with Matt, with Matt Starkey. Start each week fresh with sound financial advice. Grab your coffee and maybe a pen. It's time to kick off your week with Matt. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another edition of Mondays with Matt, with Matthew Starkey, investment advisor representative and president owner at Great Lakes Retirement Solutions. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast this week. We certainly appreciate it. As always, we're going to talk about investing, finance, and retirement. And on this episode, we're going to talk about 401ks a little bit and maybe some of their weaknesses. So if you hear something useful or interesting, you want to talk with Matt further, give him a call at 989-401-2949. That's 989-401-2949. Or check us out online at greatlakesretirementsolutions.com. That's greatlakesretirementsolutions.com. While you're there, subscribe to the podcast, give us a like, give us a review, and all that good stuff, and we'll continue to do these. And Matt, how are you this week? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you this week? I'm hanging in there pretty good. Anything happened exciting since the last time I talked to you? Any trips or anything or anything on the horizon? Oh, we just we did spend a, a few days, got away for a few days, and my in-laws had a 50th anniversary this year, so oh. we uh, treated them to a couple of nights up north, and we had a, a good time with family, so yeah, that's what's happening. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Well, listen, I mentioned the 401k weaknesses, so let's talk about that a little bit. Now, look, the 401k, is it's a powerful retirement savings tool. It's a good tool, but it is not perfect. So I got a couple categories where maybe you can share some things to think about for some weaknesses that might be there in the whole alphabet soup of the 401k type vehicles, which is you know, the 401k, the 403b, the TSP, 457, so on and so forth. So let's kick it off with administrative costs. It is not cheap. So touch on that for me. Yes. Um, when we talk about 401ks or whatever the plan that you're in, as you mentioned, the TSPs or PSPs, 457s, there is a cost to administer those kind of plans. And Typically, the cost is borne by the employer, the one who wants to establish the plan. Why are 401k plans established? Well, a lot of times it's competitive to try to keep up with the Joneses or to attract new employees and retain them. So a company that has a good 401k, naturally, it's giving you an additional option to better your financial situation. Administrative costs, when it comes down to it, they're not cheap. We have to, when we institute a a retirement plan, you have to meet the IRS rules and the Department of Labor has rules surrounding how much each participant can invest. There's rules about not overcompensating management versus the standard employee or those not giving too many people, um, letting the plan get too big for the top executives in the company, but more treating everyone in a fair way. And so there's rules that surround that. And because those rules have to be followed, most companies will have a third-party administrator that they hire to run and operate the plan and meet all the testing required by the IRS. They have to file a Form 5500, which every year just lets them know how many participants, how many assets are in the plan, and to make sure they follow all the rules. So administrative costs are one of those things that do come out of your employer's pocket. I find a lot of companies, over 100 employees, They have to look to one of these larger plans and thus bear the cost. It's several thousand dollars a year to pay somebody just to do the heavy lifting or the paperwork and all the reporting and things like that. So they want to offer something to their employees, but there is a big cost. Who pays for that? Naturally, there's going to be expenses in the plan, but just administratively, you need to know that that is one of the weaknesses of a 401k is it can be very costly 
at the top end. Thus, investment decisions or who do we go with to administer the plan might be based on competitive pricing. Yeah, and yeah. You, you might get the best, but you might not get the best in the plan. So. Yeah. No, that's a good point. There's some good things to think about there when you're thinking about some of these, uh, exposing some of these weaknesses in the 401k administrative cost number one there. Mutual funds and not much else. <laughs> that's another weakness area. <laughs> that's right. The 401k plans, uh, there's any smattering of investments that an administrator can come up with. What's required is that whoever's administering the plan in the in the company, they have to do what's in the best interest of the employee. But due to the effect of the administrative costs, whoever they hire as their plan provider is really going to give them a, a handful of options to choose from. They may not be the best options. Oftentimes, what we've seen is, yeah, there's a lot of mutual funds. Some companies won't mention any names, but they, they come up with target date funds. And these are dangerous because somehow, some way, they've gone into what was required to know what's in some of these investments so that we can properly analyze how much risk an individual would be taking. They don't have to report them the same way that they used to. So we get some plans that you can't figure out what's in the mutual fund that's in there. Uh, other than that it's target dated for people that are going to retire in 2030 or 2040 or 2050. This becomes dangerous to the individual person because not only do they not know, but they're asking me to find out for them sometimes what's in the plan. And if we're not administering that plan, you can't make heads or tails of it. Uh, a lot of them say, well, they can invest up to 80% of the assets in stocks, bonds, anything that they want to, and then X, Y, Z. So really when you look at these plans, we try to measure and we try to look at individual mutual funds, but like I say, they can be very confusing. So if you're trying to pick mutual funds, unfortunately, a lot of the plans don't offer more than a few selections for you. And um, they like some of the ETFs, for example, exchange traded funds, they're, they're less costly. And so what I like to do when I'm giving advice about the investments in the plan is we look towards sometimes index funds because they're low cost, because they might represent a broad selection of an index. And then we'll try to allocate assets, you know, accordingly. We, right, we like right. to diversify, but there's sometimes there's not a lot to pick from. So you don't usually have a lot of flexibility and, and that's hard. No, it can be. And so when you're thinking about like the target date funds you mentioned, so on and so forth. So you're talking about limited asset classes kind of here, Matt, if I'm right on that, where a lot of times the th options you're given are, are large cap mostly. There's some other smattering mid cap small, but a lot of times it tends to be large cap. You're right. A lot of them do tend to be large cap. And so I think, <laughs> I don't know why that is necessarily, but once in a while I run across a good 401k plan where they have some recently, I just met with some some folks, we were reviewing where they're at and trying to find out if they're on track for retirement. His plan, it didn't have the best options, let's say, but her 401k had small cap. They had some growth and some value companies. So what we do is we look for those asset categories because large U.S. isn't the top performing asset class every year. I mean, right now it happens to be for the last couple of years in a row, pretty high up there. But Oftentimes, you find small companies do better than large companies in the long run. And so we like to diversify the portfolio to capture several different asset categories. In a 401k, if you can do that, you should do that. You need to have an assessment done. And if you need help with something like that, you can contact our office because we'll go in oftentimes and assess what's there, 
set it up properly, set up the diversification so you capture some of those asset classes. And, you know, if there's not a lot to choose from, we just do the best we can with what we're given because, again, that's controlled by the company you work for and how much they want to really invest in your retirement future. Yeah. You know, and when you're talking about these limited asset classes, a lot of times what happens, mutual funds and everything kind of correlates together where people feel as though that's what's making them diversified because they've got a smattering of different things. And it really, a lot of times it ends up being the same, just, you know, duplicates of the same thing when you have multiple mutual funds. And so if you're kind of rounding this all out into exposing 401k weaknesses, another place to think about this is if you're looking for conservative investments, you're just not going to find many choices in the average 401k. You know, maybe a couple bond funds, maybe a stable value fund, but more than likely, a lot of times these tend to be riskier, which is why we should be paring down maybe our 401k exposure as we get closer to retirement. Or at least that's one train of thought. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. When we talk about conservative investments in a 401k, usually you're just talking about, you know, maybe a couple of bond funds available, maybe it's one or maybe a stable value fund. And really, it's just kind of a glorified money market account, you know, and there's not a lot there. If you're investing, one of the things that I hear or see is high yield bond funds. High yield bonds are called junk bonds. And if you're going to take on the risk of, maybe I can get a little higher return with my cash, you might as well just invest that money in value stocks because that operates very similar. A junk bond is like a value company, but you're often you're going to get a higher return from value stocks. So if you need conservative investments, yeah, there's a, usually a fixed income fund. Be careful how much you allocate to that. And what I actually had somebody do is recently they were able to do an in-service rollover and they were able to roll out. So she was really conservative and she wanted most of her money in fixed income. So we checked with the plan. They didn't have the option that she was looking for. So what we did is we rolled out the money into a personal IRA and we gave her a really decent fixed rate of return for the next few years while she's nearing up, coming up to retirement. So some plans allow for in-service rollovers. So although we want to contribute our plan or excuse me, our funds into the plan pre-tax, sometimes an in-service means while you're still working, you can roll over those 401k funds, the ones that are available into an IRA for yourselves. So you can check with your plan provider. And if the options aren't really great in your 401k, you might be able to conduct what's called an in-service rollover, but that depends on the plan. So um, if you're stuck with the things that are in there, again, give our office a call because it is important, especially if you're going to be contributing to this thing for five, 10 years before your company makes a change. You want to capture as many asset categories as you can and then allocate to the investment choices that are going to get you where you want to go. Yeah. And that number is 989-401-2949. 989-401-2949. Well, we've been discussing 401k weaknesses. Again, it's a powerful tool, but it's not perfect. And so again, having a conversation with your financial advisor about some of the areas, if any vehicle you're using is doing, it's being maximized to its best ability for you and your situation, always something uh, worth having a conversation around. And we're going to finish out the podcast with an email question that fits right in with our topic today. It's from Blair in Saginaw. And she says, I always was told I would be in a lower tax bracket in retirement and that I should be putting as much money into the 401k as possible. Well, now I'm retired and I am not in a lower tax bracket and all of my savings are going to be taxed as ordinary income. What went wrong? What did I do wrong? 
well, you made too much money, Blair. (laughs) 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 You you got promoted and you probably end up with a higher paying job than you anticipated. (laughs) And yeah, so that happens. Well, did she you know, do anything wrong, Matt, or is that we're also just ingrained? This is what we're taught. Put as much as you can into the 401k of, of the last you know 30 years. People have been taught this. It's been beat into our head and not realizing yep. the option. And Ross haven't been around that long either, but not realizing other ways to be more tax efficient. Right. She didn't necessarily do anything wrong, but what she didn't do wrong probably is keep up to date with the financial advice that's out there. So True. typically, if I'm working with somebody, that's the idea that when you retire, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. But that's probably not reality anymore these days. In fact, I just did a a workshop in May that was talking about the ticking tax time bomb that the IRS has on our 401ks. And that's what that is, is we've contributed all this money pre-tax, but someday when we pull it out, we are going to have to pay tax on it. Now, right now, we're in the lowest tax environment that we've been in due to the recent tax cuts. And And maybe the lowest one for a very long time, too. Maybe for a very long time, right. So what I anticipate happening is taxes are going to have to go up to fund Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, and the repayment on our national debt. You know, right now we're like $22 trillion in debt, and um, the average dollar that we're collected in taxes is being distributed. Probably 70 to 90% of it is trying to cover just those Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and the interest on our national debt. So what's the solution? The solution is tax-free retirement income. And so to answer Blair's situation, what went wrong is I would have worked with an advisor and say, hey, am I still making the right decisions when it comes to maxing out my 401k? Right. A lot of times if there's a match, I will encourage you to take the full amount of the match. In other words, defer if they match you dollar for dollar up to 6% of your income contribute all of that to your 401k because you get the free money from your employer or the match. That's an additional 6% that you're just plugging away and you're building your value. After that, however, depending on your income, if you can contribute to a Roth IRA for you and a spouse, you know, right now, if you're over age 50, you can put away $7,000 for each of you after tax, but that money will never be taxed again. So if you are in a higher tax bracket, you don't have to worry about taxes because you saved in a tax-free way, not just a, hey, all my income's going to be taxed later on down the road. So yeah. the important part, like you mentioned, Mark, is meeting with your financial advisor, definitely addressing the situation and saying, has anything changed? As tax laws change, they do change. And as your situation changes, maybe you made higher amounts of income and therefore you put away a higher, you know, still the same percentage, but you're putting away more money. You got to watch those things. So Having a review annually, I, I like to review annually with clients, but sometimes they don't always want to review and, and it ends up being two years or three years. you got to watch those things. So good news is you saved for retirement. The bad news of you know is that if you're not in a lower tax bracket, you're going to have to take that money out and pay the tax now, pay the piper Yeah, yeah. <laughs> eventually, right? Eventually, yeah. Well, you know, it's been a good show today about 401ks. Blair, thanks for the question. Great question. Call Matt, have a conversation, talk to an advisor, but certainly if you want to reach out to Matt, if you're listening to the program and submitting questions, hopefully you'll want to do that and have a conversation about looking at your overall plan or maybe the lack thereof and seeing if you can find places and ways to be more tax efficient here at this point. And really, that's a, always a good idea as we're heading into retirement, whether you're a retiree or pre 
retiree, you know, being as tax efficient as possible is certainly a good place to look at. So sit down with an advisor like Matthew Starkey, investment advisor representative and president owner at Great Lakes Retirement Solutions here in the Saginaw area. 989-401-2949, 989-401-2949. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to it. As always, we appreciate any likes and listens, reviews, things of that nature. Share it with fans and uh, friends and family, excuse me. And check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, so on and so forth. Matt, thanks for your time this week. Hope you have a good week, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. And give us a call. Any questions? We'll help you grow your green. Have a great summer. There you go. Help you grow your green. (laughs) Uh, All right. So that's our 401k show for this week on Mondays with Matt. We'll talk to you next time right here on the podcast. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.